How's everybody doing this morning? Good. It's good to be here with all of you. Um, we've been uh, going through Mark and uh, just want to kind of go back and remind what we've been going through in the last two chapters. And so this is, of course, the last several weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm not even sure how many weeks, but we talked about the parable of the seeds, and that's in, all in um, Mark 4. And we looked at each one of those parables as Jesus was um, sharing those with the, all that was present, and then how he would go and then explaining them to his disciples, not just the 12, but all of them that were present and close. And how each one of those uh, parables was about the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. How the kingdom of heaven was like a seed or was like this or in this way the kingdom of heaven. And it's interesting and just to have the scope and perspective of kind of where we're at is is that we went from in chapter 4 of Mark where Jesus was speaking about the kingdom of heaven and then trans transitioned into what um, the four miracles following that. And we're going to talk about the third miracle this morning, but the first one that, uh, of course, was the calming of the sea and how the disciples at the end of, of that event were, was amazed and in an act of reverent fear asked the question of who is this man that even the sea and the wind listen to him. And we have then, last week, we talked about the demonic, and then in chapter 5, so that the first miracle was the end of chapter 4. This chapter 5 of Mark, then we talked about the demonic, of how it was the demon that answered that very question of who this man was when they declared that Jesus was the Son of the Most High God. And how that miracle in and of itself was very interesting because this man was not only demon-possessed, but of course he was causing harm to himself. He was living in the tombs which caused him to be unclean. And he was then you know, also present in the mountains. He was living in the tombs, going around the mountains and cutting himself and just being this crazy of a man that nobody could bound like chains. He would break them and all those things. And then, so we then fast forward then, um, well, the people then, after hearing everything that happened, were afraid of Jesus and pleaded for Jesus to leave. And so then Jesus heads back to the boat, and that's where we find ourselves then in Mark um, chapter 5, in verses 21 through 34. So if you want to open up your Bibles there. So we've probably, if you've been in church, you've probably heard um, about this miracle at some point in time. And so the first couple of verses, the one, two, three, the first four verses of this passage actually sets the stage in this, this scene of where we're at. So let's read those. So the word of God says this, when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. And so 
he stayed by the seashore. Now, the sea that we're talking about is what? Anybody know? Sea Galilee, right? And so, like I said last week, it only takes a couple hours to actually cross that sea. It's not like this vastness of a sea, but they call it a sea. And um, we know the first time that when Jesus crossed on the stilling of the storm that it had big enough waves that it went over the boat and started to cause the boat to take on water. And so we know that it took, who knows how long it would have taken in the storm to cross, but, you know, at least two hours. And so we know that now Jesus came back, he took another two-hour trip. And so here he comes back, and as soon as he gets off the boat, a crowd starts gathering. So the crowd that was there when he left still kind of remained in that area to then start crowd arounding him again when he came back. And so at this point, he stayed then by the seashore. We don't know how long he stayed, a day, two days, a week. I don't know. It doesn't say. But we know that he stayed there, and he was teaching them. And it says that one of, of the synagogue officials in verse 22 named Jairus came up and on seeing Jesus fell at his feet and implored him, begged him, earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him. Jesus went off with him. And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Now, we will actually deal with Jairus and his daughter next week. But this is the setting of where we're at. Of We are now leaving the seashore. So place yourself, put a picture in your head, however you want to do it. Understand what, what we're doing, where Jesus is at, um, how you might even be in that as a crowd or as one of the disciples or however you want to do it. But picture it somehow in your head of this large crowd by a seashore beginning to walk away um, to Jairus' house. And so this large crowd is following Jesus. And during this time, there's this woman. And it says in verse 25, a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, yours might uh, translation might say that she bled for 12 years or was bleeding. Verse 26, and, and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Verse 29, immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, verse 30 says, Jesus perceiving in himself that the power preceding, uh, or the power preceding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? And Jesus looked around and, and, uh, to see the woman who had done this. 
But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now that's a lot. That's a lot. It might not seem like a lot. You might have heard some preaching on this. Well, you're going to hear some more. And there's just a lot that to swallow. So let's go back and let's go back to Mark 5, 25. So we know what we know is we have this woman. The crowd is leaving the seashore. Remember the setting that we were in? Leaving the seashore to go to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. Big, massive crowd. Jesus is there. We know in the future verses that these uh, people are pressing on him. It's not like they're giving him space. It's like, I need my own bubble, right? No, he doesn't have his own bubble. People are pressing upon him as they are going. And so here is this woman. We don't know much about this woman, but we do know um, a little bit about her situation of why she's there and the What's the word I'm looking for? Why she was so adamant. The plight that she was in. And the fact is, is that she was bleeding for 12 years. Now, my version says hemorrhaging. Yours might say uh, bleeding or flow of blood. And honestly, what it is, is it's just her period never stopped. Just to be blunt with you, that's what's going on for 12 years. Now, you might be there thinking, well, men, we have no idea. Let's just be honest. Okay? (laughs) You're right. (laughs) See, this is what happens when you sit up front. You can make small comments that nobody else can hear. But she's bleeding for 12 years. It's beyond just having this affliction. Because to, in Old Testament law, if a woman was um, in her time of her period for the month, she was considered unclean, right? That's where Leviticus 1525 says. And if you actually, let's actually turn there. Let's go to Leviticus 15:25. And there's the other passages that confirm all this, but this is the one that I think is very interesting because it does not just speak to her physical ailment, but the social aspect of it also. And it says this in Leviticus 15:25. It says, "Now, if a woman has has a discharge of her blood many days, not at the period of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond that period, all the days of her impure discharge, she shall continue as though in her menstrual impurity, she is unclean. 12 years, she is unclean. Understand that. For 12 years, she has been unclean. Disconnected, technically, from society. So we don't just have this physical 
ailment, we have the social aspect and the spiritual aspect that goes on with that disconnection of being unclean for 12 years. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. And so when we say that she received a healing, like it is beyond just the physical aspect. And so think about her dire situation in the fact that she is disconnected from her community for 12 years because she is unclean. And so here we have all that. Now, in 26, we get even more insight into her situation because it says that she endured much. Well, let's look at what she endured. She had endured much at the hands of many physicians. How many physicians? Many. We don't know. But more than one. More than probably two. Many. What's that tell you about this woman? Well, it can give us some, uh, some insight into her situation. Um, how many of you can afford to go to many uh, if I can say that word, physicians now? Any? Like if you had something wrong with you, how many of you could actually afford to go more, to more than one or two physicians? No. So that tells us that she was at least somewhat well off at, at some point in time. She had... We don't know if she was rich, but she could afford to go to many physicians over the course of 12 years. So we know that she was. So now, well, let's just keep reading because, um, because it continues and it says, and had spent all. How much is all? Everything, right? All that she had and was not helped at all. Not even a little bit. So here, 12 years of a physical ailment, 12 years of being unclean, 12 years of many physicians not helping at all, at all. And just on top of that, she's got nothing. She spent it all. She spent it all. And so we have all of these things going on, and it doesn't even stop there. It actually, in verse 26, it finishes it. It says, but rather had grown worse. Talk about kicking somebody when they're down. They didn't just not help at all, but man, they, they either made it worse or got worse or whatever, but nothing. There was no hope. Now, when your situation is dire, where you go to, and it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a physical ailment or whatever, but you have a situation that is dire and you try every avenue that you could possibly think of, every avenue that you could research from, every avenue that a friend would suggest or some even stranger or a billboard or commercial that you have seen and you tried them all and then nothing helped but actually your situation got worse, where is your position in life? What's your attitude? What is your mental capacity? What is your spiritual connection with the Lord? What is anything in your life? The truth is you're broken and you're more than just broken. You're like pulverized and ground into the dirt. Because that's how I would feel. You talk about kicking somebody when they're down. No, that's not kicking somebody when they're down. It's like throwing them in the grave. There is no hope. None. 
Because according to what Mark is recording, according to the word of God, is, is that she tried everything she could think of. And then hope came. Because in the very next verse, it goes on. And it says, after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. And she did that because she's had this thought. She said, stupid technology. She had the thought as, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. So here it is. Imagine yourself down and out. And honestly, I understand. For a lot of you here, for a lot of us in our lives, right? We have not been down and out like this. We have not. We truly cannot fully understand. But we can have glimpses because I'm sure every single one of us have felt helpless at some point in time in our lives. So we have glimpses into what she could have been feeling in the situation in her life. But here it is. She tried everything, and then she heard. She heard about Jesus. Now let's think about that right there. She heard. How many people here, you don't need to raise your hand, but think about how many of you here were hopeless and then you were reminded about Jesus if you knew Jesus or you never knew Jesus and so then you first heard about that there is a God who loves you that died for you to save you from everything and all you needed to do is call upon his name. There are a lot of people in this world that are just waiting to hear. Understand that. To hear. For her, it took hearing to give her hope. She heard and she had a thought. Nobody dragged her there. Nobody convinced her to come to the crowd. She just had to hear about Jesus and she had a thought, maybe he can help me. Maybe if I just get close enough to him, then healing will come into my life. Maybe my life can be transformed by him only on hearing. Now, how do you think that she heard? Yeah, I mean, I doubt she heard Jesus himself, maybe, maybe when he was walking around. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's because people were talking. Which goes into the importance of why we need to share what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of other people. Not because I get to do anything. No, simply because me talking about Jesus, Jesus could put something in somebody's head of hope and spur something on that motivates them, that transforms them, and it moves them to the Lord. Just simply because I shared what God did in my life. I wasn't twisting anybody's arms. I wasn't trying to convince anybody. I don't really care if they even believe me. 
I just simply said, yeah, the Lord blessed me today. Or, yeah, I went through some crazy stuff here, and guess what? Jesus delivered me out of it. Or, hey, how man, church service was really great, and, and there was lots of people prayed for, and there was even some people that were healed or, or people that came to know who Jesus was. Man, that baptism I went to was amazing. Or just having a conversation with, the, with your uh, friend that, that is a fellow believer too, and somebody overhears a conversation about the Lord with you, they were just eavesdropping. All simply because they heard. See, if God's people are not talking about what the Lord is doing, we are hindering miracles from happening. And as simple as that, if God's people are not talking, how are people to hear about the Lord? And so people were talking. And honestly, we don't even know if the people that were talking that this lady heard were even believers. They could have been skeptics. We don't know. But when God starts doing things and the people start talking, it doesn't matter who they are, God will show up and do amazing things. And that's the truth of the matter. Now, at the same time, I will give you this warning. You be very careful what you say about the Lord and attribute to the Lord because your words have power. Words have powers. It is not sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will, not be, you know, will never hurt me. No. You go read about Noah and, and what he said about his grandson. And you will see that words have power. Words can curse. Words can also free. So, let's continue. It's had this thought. If I just touch his garments... I will get well. I will get well. If I just touch his garments, if I just touch, I don't even have to touch him. I just have to touch something that is touching him, some part of his clothing. Now, have you ever had that thought, man, if I could just, you know, touch the rim of somebody's coat, if I could get their glove, if I could, you know, touch their sole of their foot, I don't, whatever, their shoe. I've never thought that way. That then speaks even more because into her dire strait and the hope that she had because she wasn't trying to get Jesus' attention. She did not think, I need this man. See, Jairus came and he said, you need to come and heal my daughter. She's on the doorsteps of death. This woman was of the other extreme. I just need to get close enough and whatever he has will pour over to me. Whatever gets close, if I get close enough, the glory that radiates off Jesus will affect me. See, that's another thing to remind us of. Look, we don't need to have these huge, large encounters with the God that I need to hear his booming voice and I need to see him face to face. No, I just need to be in the presence of God and amazing things will happen presence of God. If I get into the presence of God, then God can heal me. He can transform me and he can move. He can change all these things in my life. And I don't even have to touch him. I don't need to have a word from him. I just need to be in his presence. That is true for all of us. 
Yes, we want to hear his voice. Yes, we want to see him face to face. Yes, I want to be like Moses where I am physically, physically touched by his hand, you know, safely put into the cleft of the rock, but physically touched by his hand. Yes, I desire that. I want that. But the truth is, is I don't need that for God to work miracles in my life. What I need is to be in his presence and to stay in his presence and just to be there taking it all in. And that helps me because, listen, when I get distracted, as long as I'm not distracted and move out of his presence, I might be here face to face with God, but something distracts me over here, but I'm no longer face to face with him, but I'm still in his presence. God can do amazing things in my life. And so here is this woman just trying to get into the presence close enough that she can touch his cloak and when she does, when she does, I, I love um, how Mark continually uses the word immediately. Immediately. At that very instant of where, and I just try and imagine that. Like, do you think that it was a full, like, I grabbed it? Because I don't, I don't picture that in my head. Because if she's just eager to, to touch the cloak, she is just grazing it. That's, that's what I picture, grazing it with the finger as she's reaching out. She's not grabbing it. She's not, it's just a graze. And immediately when, when I picture that graze happening on that cloak, immediately she is healed. But what's she healed of? Yes, physically she is healed. Second, she is immediately made clean. Third, she is now valued. And we don't see a lot of those things when, when this passage, but knowing of how I would be and the hope that would be restored in my life, knowing that I was just made clean, that I was physically healed, that would bring value in my life. God did not forget about me. God still loves me. God still has a plan for me. He wants me there with him. And that's why I say there was value brought back to her because she laid everything on the line and nothing happened. It actually got worse. And she gave everything over seeking healing and, and she was given nothing. And it's just like Job, when Job lays everything on the line, God, God allows everything to be taken from him. Then when he is at the bottom, God comes back and says, I remember you, I love you, you have value, and I'm going to not only replace what you had, but I'm going to multiply it. And that's what this woman would have been going through. Now, at the moment that she grazes that, at that same moment, immediately, see verse 29, immediately for the woman she was healed, but at the same moment, immediately, Jesus perceived in himself that power had left him. And could you imagine this? Like, here you are. So you got this huge, wrong crowd. And if, if you picture yourself as one of the disciples real close to him, maybe one of the 12, maybe whatever. But you're like just trying to keep this crowd from pressing against Jesus. And immediately you've got all of a sudden Jesus is saying, who touched me? And starts looking around. Could you imagine yourself, like, as one of those disciples? Like, listen, Lord, I want me. 
Like, or, or from the aspect of, what are you saying? Like, I would be what these other disciples are of being like, Jesus, you're a little insane. Of course you're going to get touched. You're in this large crowd. Come on, use common sense, Jesus. Right? That's what would have been going through my head. Now, I probably would have said that to him. But that's what would have been going through my head because my analytical brain would go that way. Like, come on. And that's exactly what it says, Mark records that the disciples said. Jesus says, who touched me? He looked around. He looked around and he saw the woman. And I love how Mark records this because it says this in verse 33. It says, the woman fearing and trembling. Now, do you think that she was scared? Sure, a little bit, but not. I mean, she was just healed and she knew she was healed. So there's this, I I picture this reverent fear and tremble because she had tried everything everything to be healed and nobody could heal her and yet here it is and so she is at all with just what happened because there's one thing to believe to believe to the point where she would position herself to do that it is another thing to have the realization that it just happened right you're at this awe like sure we can believe and if you've ever had a healing in your life, if you've ever seen God really move, you'll kind of get a grasp of that. But it is. It's like how you anticipate and long for something for so long, and then it suddenly arrives. Like there's this reverent fear, like, I don't know what to do now because that was my whole goal. And so she does. She has this reverent fear and trembling before this Lord, or before the Lord, and it, she, <laughs> She came, she fell down, and what'd she tell him? The whole truth. The whole truth. The whole truth. She shared with him about everything. That's why Mark can um, record what he recorded, because he was there when she said how she has been struggling with this for 12 years, she has told them that she spent all their money. So here it is on the way to Jairus's house to heal this, this little daughter. And Jesus stops and takes time. And Jairus, like, it, it's a big deal because, well, we know that, well, we'll talk about tomorrow or not tomorrow, next week, but um, of the dire situation that his daughter's in. But Jesus stops and takes time to hear this woman's story. He takes time to hear this woman's story. Now, it might have only been like a minute, five minutes at most, but he still stopped, took time to hear because she told him the whole truth of everything. And she's probably weeping. She's probably all these things with overjoy of all that situation going on. And then he responds after taking time. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made me well or made you well. So here we have it, where it is Jesus touched, or said, who touched me? Now, I, I really want you to feel the full grasp of what the situation is. So let's picture this for a minute, okay? 
Seashore, large crowd. Jairus comes. They head out. From what direction does the woman come? Scripture says from behind. So Jesus is coming that way, right? He's moving that way. If I'm the woman, then I'm trying to break through. I'm not coming at the front of the crowd and people are just coming around me. No, I'm trying to push people out of the way. And it would be to the dire extreme of where you're actually doing this. Like, get out of my way. I'm coming. You know, I'm going to Jesus and I'm going to get there. And it doesn't matter how I get there, but I will. I love you. I made it. I didn't fall. If I would have and I would have got hurt, well, I would have had you guys all pray for me and we'd believe that Jesus would heal. But that is the extreme. I mean, that's the extreme. I am pushing, I am trying to get everybody out of the way to get to the one that I have hope in that can heal me. Straightforward, straight up, that is it. And what's interesting is if you go back, I think it's what, Mark 2? I think it's Mark 2. If you go back and look at where, um, yeah, the paralytic, the friends. See, Jesus says right here, your faith has made you well. See, in Mark 2, it was the faith of the friends that took out the roof that lowered the paralytic man into in, or through the roof in front of Jesus that made him well. That led to the forgiveness of the sins and then ultimately to allowing him to walk. Your faith, your faith has made you well. See, what situation are you in right now where you need to actually have that type of faith where nothing will get in my way and I don't need, I don't need my special time with Jesus. I just need to be in that presence. I just need to be close enough where I can touch him and I will get everybody out of the way. See, this woman, she risked everything because here's the thing. What did we say? Her bleeding made her unclean, right? Everybody then that she touched she made unclean. So everybody in that crowd that she pushed out of the way, what is the cost of that in Jewish society? Death. She chanced everything to get to Jesus. Everything. Including her own life. And Jesus took a moment and said, Your faith has made you clean. It's made you well. Be healed. He took time to hear her story. He, she, he took time to encourage her. So because one day her words would lead to somebody else's healing. One day. Now, let's turn over to Hebrews 11.1. 1. And as we look at this, look this up, worship team, you can come up. Now, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter, right? It talks about all these great people of faith and how they did things. And actually, I mean, I, I've heard sermons. I've done sermons on this, done teachings. It, it's really wonderful. Not all these people are pretty. But you're, yet they're recorded to have great faith. But verse 1 tells us this about faith. It says, now faith 
is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. And this woman here, she had the faith, the hope to be healed. She thought, if I just touch him, I will be healed. What is it that you are hoping for right now? What is it that you need delivered from? What is it that you need healed from? What situation in your life do you need God to come in and fix for you? And I will tell you, sometimes that's immediately, just like with this woman, it'll be immediately, but sometimes it's a road you must travel because God wants to teach you something. And sometimes this woman, yes, her healing came immediately, but it didn't come till 12 years later when she first started seeking it. And it didn't come easy. She had to push people out of the way to get to Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not telling you to go push people around. What I'm telling you is this, whatever barrier you have in front of you, do not let that stand in the way. Get it out. Jump over it. Climb over it. Go around it. Whatever it is, pray your way through it. But you do not let that barrier stand before you. And God will bring healing to your life no matter what that situation is. And I'm not just talking about physical. Because this woman's was not just physical. He did not just heal her. He transformed her. And he will transform you too. But do you, do you have the faith that can move mountains? Now I will tell you, I don't. Not always, but sometimes I do. And in those times when I do, I can't tell you, I can't describe it. No words will tell you what you will experience. But you will experience God like you've never had before. Does this church, do we, every single one of us in this place, do we have the faith that God will use us to accomplish the things that he has called us to do? Did this woman wait around for Jesus to come to her? No. Your faith will move you towards Jesus. He will come into your life some way, somehow, some aspect, just like with this woman. She heard, but she had to go to. There was no waiting around for God to do. There was being intentional and moving towards Jesus and being in his midst. And so, go ahead, start playing, start your first song, whatever it is. And this is why I challenge you. This altar's open to you. There are people standing around you. If you don't want to come up to this altar, these people around you that will pray for you. There are things in your life that you do. You need to have your faith strengthened. You need to make choices right now. Maybe you have the faith. I'm not saying you don't, but maybe you need to have a swift kick in your butt to sit there and say, I need to move forward because I cannot wait for God to do anymore. I need to run after God. Because God is telling you right here, right now, to move towards him and be in his presence and he will perform miracles in your life. I pray that that's not a 12-year journey like it was for this woman. I pray it's not that for you. I pray it's the immediate. 
But if it is that 12-year journey, know you are not alone. That there are people here in your life willing to surround you with love, compassion, to pray with you. And we will walk the walk with you, but we cannot walk it unless we know. Unless you allow us to come in. Unless you allow us to share that burden with you. But come before the Lord today and declare your faith, allowing him to know that you are right there, that you are pushing through the crowd towards him. And let's see God be God and move miracles in your life.